A couple of things before we get to the message. We receive some letters occasionally, and I thought a couple of these I, it would be worth highlighting. So uh, we always do the baby bottle campaign with CareNet, and we got a, a card from them, and uh, we uh, gave $1,800 towards CareNet and the baby bottle campaign. So that is awesome. That's the highest amount we've ever taken in. And a lot of times we say, well, okay, cool. What does that do or where does that go to? They included this note with it, and I thought you'd appreciate this note. It says, Kelly called and scheduled, and then called and canceled her appointment several times. Can you feel the anxiety and tension in there? Finally, she did visit Karenette for a pregnancy test. Already parenting a months old baby, Kelly was distressed and overwhelmed by this new pregnancy. An abortion seemed to be an, like an easy answer, but she agreed to the ultrasound. The picture, pictures of her baby, almost fully formed at 11 weeks, changed her heart. Kelly left the appointment with a renewed resolve to carry her baby. A lot of times we say, like, we do those campaigns, what difference does it make? And I want to suggest, well, to that baby, it just made all the difference in the world. Okay? And that's what we're backing when we do that. We also received a card from the Everett Gospel Mission that I thought was really good. It said, your generous gift of $300 arrived, and it could have been more timely. August is probably our toughest month here at the mission. Every day seems to bring an even larger crowd of exhausted Thirsty people ready to change their lives. Your gift is making it possible to welcome people in with a glass of cool water, a nutritious meal, a shower, and fresh clothes, plus hope and opportunity to get a fresh start. We also receive letters from Young Life and from Youth for Christ thanking us for helping get kids to camp this year. And uh, I just thought I wanted to highlight those so you'd know uh, the difference that your generosity and sacrificial giving are making. We're partnered with all kinds of ministries, and, and that's what we're doing is we're partnering with CareNet, we're partnering with Ever Gospel Mission, we're partnering with Young Life, we're partnering with Youth for Christ, and together we're making an impact in the area. So a lot of times we just see Norfolk and think, well, what are we actually doing? But the truth is we have a large net out, and uh, it's making a big difference. So I thought you'd be encouraged by that and uh, what's going on. So this morning is uh, obviously Labor Day weekend. You guys didn't go camping? What's the, you know? If you're in the Northwest long enough, you learn it's not worth that trek over the mountains for the traffic back, right? There's things you can do around here. We, we learned that lesson. But uh, many are gone, and they'll, they'll download this um, by the podcast on our website. And uh, again, I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear Zach's messages, it's worth your time to go back and hear what he said. But before we go on, I'm going to recap a little bit. Let's uh, pray and and give the service to the Lord. Father, when we come, uh, we're going to be talking about being in step with your spirit this morning. And it seems to me that it would be wise to appeal to you that we would listen to your spirit this morning as we go through it. And so as we do this, uh, I seek you that um, what we say would be a good, fresh reminder as we come into the fall. And we seek you for what you will do this fall and how we need to be lined up with you. And we ask for that in your name. Amen. All right. So Zach, when he he laid out those two messages, he laid out two things that um, are important as we consider what God is going to do, what he wants us to do in cooperating with him this fall. The first one was he he laid out the importance of worship uh, being the expression of our heart and lives. That worship carries over and into Sunday. It's not produced on Sunday. Now, certainly we worship on Sunday. But what he was trying to get the point across, I think is really important, is that 
Um, Sunday is a product of what has gone on during the week. And so if nothing's gone on during the week, it's really hard to ratchet it up on Sunday. Right? Have you ever done that? Not walk with the Lord all come on Sunday when, right? It just it has that totally flat feeling. And, uh, and so he was talking about that my heart, my head, it matters where it is uh, with God during the week. If I place him first during the week, it's not hard to place him first on Sunday. Isn't that true? And uh, if other things compete and win my affections during the week, then it's also hard to ramp it up and get God back into first position. If you've ever had that wrestle, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, my enthusiasm, and I might add my wallet, follow what has captured my heart. And so he was talking about that. And the second point he made is that he also did a great job of pointing out that love is not just a good idea, but a practical expression that needs to be carried out in the world context neighborhood community where we have been placed. In our case, that would be the greater Mill Creek area where we all live. This often happens when there is, and he points out uh, what he calls would be a divine interruption. He used the story of the Good Samaritan uh, in, in that context. Uh, something that has the potential to interrupt my planned agenda for the day. Right? You ever have one of those? <laughs> this is where I'm going. Yeah, that's a great thing. All right. So um, I want to compliment those two and, and step off of them alongside. And I took the title for this morning. I used it called Got Rhythm. I took it off an old Johnny Cash song. All right. And the Johnny Cash song is one of uh, Johnny's watching the shoeshine boy shine his shoes. And he can't figure out why the kid has such a great attitude because he's doing such a terrible um, not a terrible job. He's doing a great job shining shoes, but that's a miserable job, right? It's just hard work. There's not a lot of glory. And you're always looking at people's feet. And yet this kid is just popping and having a great time. And so he asks him why he has such a good attitude. And he says that um, it's because he's got rhythm. Now, Johnny attributed that to a good song and what a good song can do for you to get your attitude change. And certainly that does work, right? Uh, all of us have had probably the occasion where a good song popped into our head and it just made our day, right? And you got, we call, you know, whistling a tune through the day and it just makes a difference. But scripture gives a different kind of instruction and lift. And it has to do with keeping in rhythm with God. And I thought that would be important to talk about as we come into the fall. Now, I'm not going to say anything new this morning. You have already heard all these things many times. All I'm going to do this morning is remind us of what we already know because the timing's right to be reminded. And, and so let's take a look at this. In Galatians 5, there's this scripture, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And the picture here, literally, this is the verse where we get the term walking with God. And the idea is that we're walking along with him. We're not ahead of him, racing ahead. We're not dragging at our feet and lagging behind, but we're in step with him. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And the whole context of this verse lies in Galatians chapter 5. And it's contrasting the deeds of the flesh versus the deeds of the Spirit. And it raises two questions this morning that I think are... Um, Important One is, as I'm coming into the fall, as I'm looking at the calendars, I'm looking at all the things in front of me, which fuel am I using to fuel my engine? Am I using um, the fuel of the flesh 
or am I using the fuel of the spirit? Which which one is my engine running on and and which one am I um, drawing from? And the second question I think is equally important is, am I in step with God? All right. Pause for a second. Here we go. Labor Day weekend into the fall. Right. We've had a whole summer. Where am I this morning? Am I in step? Am I tracking? Am I there? Am I in step with God and His Holy Spirit as I go into the fall? Now, the fall is a great time of the year. I love fall, right? It's a kickoff to a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, school's starting, football started, right? It's just got, there's a bunch of things that go with the fall that are really cool. And, um, but I've also noticed that the fall uh, can be uh, a time, it's, it's one of those times where there can be a real dark side to it. Um, particularly if you're a mom, uh, particularly if you're a teacher. Uh, Margie White this morning said, particularly if you're a mom and a teacher. Right, Amy? You know how that is, right? Um, there can be a real dark side. So, so, for example, you came out of summer and you know how vacations never seem long enough and somehow you're still tired, right? Or you're actually more tired because you took the vacation and you're wondering, when, when do I actually rest? And and then you come into summer, now you're supposed to be rested, and fall takes off and goes from zero to 60, right? Just boom! And you're like, wow! And you can be looking at what's in front of you and really be overwhelmed. Matter of fact, I found often when we come rolling into the fall, people actually have panic attacks, right? Because they look at the calendar and go, how are we going to do this? And just start freaking out uh, on the whole thing. And so there there can be um, that that side to it. It's really easy to be overwhelmed. And when that happens, that produces this sense of now we're suddenly out of sync, right? Things just aren't lining up uh, the way they're supposed to. We're, we're, we're off. We're, we're not lining and tracking up the way we'd hope. We, we sort of have what I'd call is a wobble in our followership. We are walking, but we're, we're wobbling or shimming down the road as we do it. You ever have a car that's got brakes and when you press them, right? You gotta, you gotta hold it on. A lot of times we're like that in our walk, right? We're going into the fall, but, right? Can we keep her on the road kind of thing? And so, it isn't, um, that we aren't walking, it's that we've been thrown out of rhythm. We've lost the rhythm that feels natural to us. Uh, a lot of times summer can do that just by the different schedule and pace. Um, but the whole thrust of this verse is to say synchronized with the Holy Spirit. We just came out of the Olympics, and I, I love the Olympics. I just thought they were spectacular. And some of the synchronization we witnessed was awe-inspiring. Uh, just amazing uh, what they pulled off. And, and for example, that, that matters, right? If there were flaws in the routines, we noticed it. And, uh, and certainly, we dearly hope that the Hawks offensive line will synchronize in the next week, right? Synchronization matters. But just like these illustrations, we also want to be in sync with the Holy Spirit, personally, family-wise, body-wise as a church. And the important thing, I think, is to remember that it's a relationship. It's not a head thing. It's not a religious thing. It's not just truth, although truth is really important. But it's a relationship. It's something that we are actually having a conversation with the Lord. And one of the questions is, hey, what's the fall going to look like and what are you asking from me? How do I line up with you? 
We want to be in step with the Holy Spirit. So let, us, let me give you four practical thoughts on um, what to aim at, what it looks like to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Here's four synchronization steps. And again, these aren't new, but think of it as coming into the fall. First, one of the things to say synchronize is to read the Bible in a consistent pattern. All right? Summer can be really knock you out of that, right? You were going great into spring, you hit summer and blah. You know, you went on vacation, church attendance fell out the window, reading fell out the window, and now you're coming in the fall and you can't even remember where you were last reading. And what I want to encourage is just go back to the last place where you were, pick it up, and just start again, right? Because it is, if you want to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, it's important to know the way God thinks. It's important to know how God's looking at it, and the Word helps you see it from His perspective. One of the great things about reading Scripture is you get God's take. You get His mindset on how He values and how He looks at different things. And so one of the things is if that got really wobbly over the summer, get back into a consistent pattern in the Word. It doesn't matter when some of you might read in the morning, some might have a break during the day. And if, for example, you might have a lunchtime where you've got uh, a gap where you can read or some are night readers and I do it really doesn't matter when, as long as it's consistent. Secondly, follows really close to this. Pray in a consistent manner. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub does not cut it as prayer. All right. That that it has to go farther than that. And to go farther than that, it has to get by, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the good things. Protect our home and minds. Amen. All right? Prayer is, Lord, what's coming down the pike? What do I have to anticipate? How do I have to hit that? How am I going to be able to look at that? Um, how do I, what do I need to see from your perspective? And it makes a big difference if we're praying that way. I just got done doing a funeral uh, for a family. It was the neighbor to my mother-in-law, uh, Pam's mom. And uh, we've known them ever since we've been married. And uh, they were pretty good acquaintances, pretty good friends. So we, every time we'd go over, we'd see them. And, uh, and I had to be uh, careful because of where the whole family was at in terms of laying out. And it, it took a lot of hard work this week. No, don't say this. Yes, say this. No, don't say that that way. Yes, say this this way. And it it really made my week kind of difficult because I was having a fair amount of trauma, wanting to do a good job. And yet the second side of it going, how did I get myself into this mess anyways? Right. Um, I find myself becoming the pastor of things that I never intended to pastor. Right. But I did listen and I was careful and did a good job. And after, you could tell because people responded like crazy and went, wow. And they, there's probably some conversations that are going to kick up that came out of that. And it was because I, I worked to try and synchronize with what the Lord was doing, not what Steve was trying to do. That's the picture here. That's what prayer allows you to do. Uh, third thing is to submit yourself to God's plan for the fall. And what I want to say about this is, You know, do you know what's going to happen this fall? No. Now, we've been through 216, right? Three quarters of it, it's already gone. So you've kind of mapped 216 on, go, okay, I got it. This is how it's going to roll. So because the spring and uh, summer rolled that way, you're pretty sure the fall is going to roll that way. So you got it mapped so you don't need to pay attention. Really? 
Might the fall throw a few things at us that we hadn't anticipated? I remind you of the election we're in. Do you think there might be a need to be in the Word and to pray and say, Hey, Lord, there might be some things coming this fall that we need to think out, you and I together, how we're going to hit that. Uh, one of the things might be, how am I going to vote? Right? Anybody have a fair amount of angst over that and wrestling with that? I think it's something that we have to engage in as a group. But to submit ourselves to God's plan for the fall. The idea here is that God knows what's going to happen for the fall. We don't. And therefore, it's really wise to go into the fall saying, Lord, what's the fall going to look like? What, what are you going to do? What do you have lined up? And how can I think along with you to cooperate with that? Right? What do I need to do to adjust with that? And then the fourth thing is to find others who are going in the same direction that the Lord is taking you. Right? Not everybody is called to the same thing. Not everybody has the same set of gifts or passions or that sort of deal. But there are others within this body who have the same passion and call that you do. And one of the things is to find others who are going in that um, same direction. There's specialization within any group. Not everybody does the exact same thing. Um, When you think about what it takes to synchronize, uh, one of the things that I think all of us understand, it takes time, right? If you look at the Olympics, that didn't just happen. Anything in the Olympics that looked really effortless, what do you know? They put a tremendous amount of time in so that it looks effortless, but it is anything but. And so that's true of a church, that's true of a family, that's true of a marriage. If you see people who make it look effortless, because they've really worked on it. And the point is, not all are called by the Holy Spirit to do the same thing, but because there are others who are, are called to do the same thing, you can find people of a similar heart. You can find people of a similar call. You can find people of a similar passion. And you can line up with them and say, hey, here's what I think I'm supposed to be doing. What are you supposed to be doing? Oh, would, would we, could we do that together? And it really helps to synchronize if you're doing it with other people. So find people who are going down the same road. The question then arises, okay, thanks, Pastor Steve. But how do I know that initial thrust or that initial uh, idea is actually from the Holy Spirit? Well, let's look at uh, this art of synchronizing uh, or being in step with the Holy Spirit. What are some uh, things I should be looking at? First of all, does it align with Scripture? Right? Very basic, but does it align with Scripture? Can you point to chapter and verse that says, okay, here it is. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. So he's not going to contradict himself. Right? Does that make sense? He's going to line up. And so if he asks you to do something, there's going to be an ability to synchronize with, and there'll be places that affirm in the Word. And so that's why it's so important to be in the Word if you're looking to get um, re-anchored, is to be um, aligned with Scripture. Does it align with Scripture? Second thing is, uh, I call it, does it have a right tone? And what I mean by this is the Lord has talked to you before. You've heard his voice. You know how he speaks to you through scripture. You've heard him talk to you in prayer. You've heard him speak in other circumstances. When it comes to you getting an impression, does that sound familiar? 
Does it sound like the way he's talked to you? Do you recognize his voice? Does it line up with things that he's told you before? And that's really important because uh, remember, there's a lot of lying and deceptive voices in our culture. And there are spiritual voices that are lying or deceptive. That can be a three quarters of a truth with a hook and take you in a really bad, really wrong direction. And so does this line up with my experience where I've heard from God before? Does it line up with the word? Here's the third one. Does it have the right timing? I've mentioned many times kind of self uh, confessionally up front that often I don't struggle that much with what God's wanted me to do, but I struggle terribly with his timing. Okay, Uh, to get the timing right is everything. All right. Just imagine, guys, if you're proposing to your wife and and then you miss the timing. Does that matter? Yeah, it slightly matters. Right. And so timing is really important. And often we either race out ahead of God or we dawdle behind instead of being in step. And what we don't realize is from God's perspective, it's the in step part that really matters. Am I stepping with him at the right pace? And so does it have the right timing? And then the fourth one, remember I talked about finding people similar passion and a similar journey. Why? Because often it's the body that affirms that it's the Lord. I don't know how many times where uh, I've seen where people go, hey, you know what? You're good at that. I am? Yeah, you are. Really? Yeah, you should try that. Wow. Okay. And then you realize others could see in you what you couldn't see in yourself. They saw something that was affirmed by the Holy Spirit. And they came up and said, hey, have you ever thought about doing this? And a lot of times it's not big things. It's little things you're doing that they go, hey, have you ever thought of volunteering for this? No. Would you ever think about volunteering about this? No. Well, let me tell you why you should volunteer for this. And they go on and they make an incredible argument where you start going, you know what? I think God wants me to try that. And so finding, uh, letting the body affirm is really important. The fifth one is knowing that still small voice. There's a story uh, found in 1 Kings, and it's the story of Elijah. And Elijah has just gone through this big battle um, with uh, the prophets of Baal and Jezebel threatens to kill him. So he runs and he's doing all this crazy stuff. And he's a little out of sync with the Lord. And he goes to this mountain and he's, he wants to hear from the Lord. And there's this earthquake and there's this fire and there's this huge wind that just rips the stones off the mountain. And as the story goes on, the earthquake happens, and but God isn't in the earthquake. And then this fire happens and God's not in the fire. And then there's this storm that's ripping rocks off the mountains and God's not in the, uh, in the storm. But then it says, after the earthquake, uh, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came the sound of a low whisper or a soft whisper, other translations would say. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak. Why? Because Proverbs says a soft word can break the bone. And when God whispers, it's really powerful. And he recognized whose presence he was in, that it was God whispering to him, not just his own head. It says, he wrapped his face in his cloak, went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? You ever had the Holy Spirit do that to you? What are you doing here? Hello, son, daughter? What are you doing here? Is this where you're supposed to be? You ever heard that voice? Usually it comes in a very soft whisper. You ever just go, right? Kind of swat at it like a pesky fly. It keeps coming. What are you doing here? Right? Why is this so important? Because scripture warns us uh, in numerous places about the danger of grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit. The idea of quenching the Holy Spirit is if you've got a campfire, you're all sitting around the campfire, you're making s'mores, and somebody comes and dumps a five-gallon bucket of water on your fire. Okay, You're going to quench that fire. You're going to put it out. And the idea is we can, by saying no enough, quench the fire of the Holy Spirit, where we no longer hear from the Holy Spirit, we no longer get a response from the Holy Spirit, because we've doused that. Or grieving. The idea of grieving the Holy Spirit, where um, if you've ever talked to parents whose children have walked away from them, you have that picture of the grief of the heart of God when his children don't walk with him and actually say walking with him is offensive, walking with him is intolerable, walking with him is painful, and so they walk the other way. That's um, hurts the heart of God. And so what happens is we can miss the whispers or um, take them even worse as a good suggestion. Thank you, Lord, for whispering to me that idea. I'll take it under advisement and my people will get back to you. Right. And usually my people is me and I'll let you know when I'm ready. That doesn't work very well Because what happens is it throws things out of rhythm. When it comes to the Lord being with us, it's a good reminder that he's with us even in tough times. Isaiah 30 says, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But your eyes will see your teacher, and your ears shall hear the words behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right or you turn to the left. Scripture says that if we don't listen to the little whispers, then God brings in harder times to get our attention. And like the Apostle Paul, it's hard to kick against the goads. Right? And so we sometimes battle with God and we're stubborn. And so God pricks us and it hurts. And suddenly he's got our attention. Right? Because this is painful. This isn't funny anymore. But Scripture says God is very faithful to say there will be a voice saying this is the way to walk in it and, and go this way. Go to the left. Go to the right. And you will make the right turns. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about the, uh, the Internet and the electronic age that we live in. And, and obviously, there's massive dangers there and there's massive bad things there. But on one hand, I thought about this this week. We actually have the greatest opportunity on the face of the earth of any generation that's ever existed because obedience to the Spirit is one click away. Think about it. Most of our choices now are reduced to a click. You don't have to think through all the stuff. You just have, should I or shouldn't I? Click yes, click no. And when the voice whispers, do not click, 
we have an almost instantaneous moment of feedback from the Holy Spirit, knowing we A, either obeyed and listened to the whisper, or B, we did not obey, and then there's a chance to quickly repent. And so in some ways, yes, it's more difficult, but in some ways it's way more easier because we can listen to the Lord, should I or shouldn't I click? And you have instant feedback from the Holy Spirit. Lord, should I click on that site? Should I click on that button? Should I look at that picture? And we, we have the ability to, to do that in a way no other generation ever has. So obedience can be a moment-by-moment thing as we're on our computers because we can listen and think about what God could do if his church listened to his voice about what they should or shouldn't click. Right? And if the church was in rhythm with the Holy Spirit and only clicked the things they were supposed to click, think about the lining up and the synchronization of the church because they're listening to the voice of what they should or shouldn't click. You can mobilize an army in a minute if everybody does that right. And so we may be standing on the precipice of one of the greatest revivals that's ever occurred in the history of the world if we listen to the voice of the Spirit and stay synchronized and in step with Him. So how important is this this voice behind you. This is the way, walk in it, and you'll know to turn to the left or the right. And I thought, okay, this is kind of head knowledge stuff. This is sort of, you know, okay, repetition. We, we know some of this before. And I thought, what's a way to make it real? So what I thought is, let's take some life stories and see if you recognize where they did or didn't stay in step with the Holy Spirit. And so see if you recognize some of these uh, biblical illustrations of people and think of their walks, think of their life, think of where they did respond to the Holy Spirit, think of where they didn't respond to the Holy Spirit. Right? First one, I'd start out with Abraham. He was faithful in his steps. Right? When you think through Abraham, did he do everything perfectly? No. But he was faithful in his steps so that he is known as the father of nations. That's quite a dude. Saul, think of Saul, he made his own steps. He didn't like the ones God laid out for him, so he decided to run his own steps. How well did that work out for him? Not too well, right? Uh, David, heroic in his steps, a champion in his steps, a major player in the kingdom of God in his steps, and he also stumbled in his steps. Do you think if you're David, wouldn't you want to take that whole episode of him and Bathsheba out of Scripture? Can you imagine how many times in history that's been repeated? And can you imagine David in heaven every time a pastor gets going, oh, here we go again. My sin's going to be flashed up on the screen. Can you imagine that? And yet he's one of the greatest people that lived uh, in the kingdom, is King David. How about Abigail? Wise in her steps, right? Her husband uh, Nabal was a knothead and just an ornery cuss. And he just kind of threw David out under the bus. And David was going to come back. And she wisely mitigated the circumstances. And if you read the rest of that story, she actually ended up becoming David's wife. But you get a sense of her. She was wise in her steps. How about Ruth? Ruth was submissive in her steps. Right? If you think through Ruth's life, she did and stayed with Naomi through thick and thin. And so uh, she was submissive in her steps. How about Esther? Esther was obedient in her steps. Esther followed who? Mordecai. Her uncle, who was really acted as her father, and through that whole story of Esther, he said, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that, and she did it, 
even a place where her life was put in danger. And we, uh, she's a hero in the Hall of Fame of Faith because of how she was obedient uh, in her steps. How about Job? Perplexed in his steps. Was it clear to Job what was really going on? Was it clear what God's plan was? Was it clear? He was in a mess. He lost everything. And yet he said what? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Job's an incredible person when it comes to listening to the Holy Spirit and following in the right steps. Here's some other illustrations. Uh, others you know. Jonah, way out of step. <laughs> right? Jonah never did get it. Jonah is off. He runs. He bolts. He gets corralled. He gets spit up on a beach. He kind of uh, passively, angrily does what God wants. Well, whatever, 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. Good, I hope it happens. Then he gets out and right, and he's not really concerned about God at all. He's mad about this plant now because he's lost his shade. Right? He, Jonah's just out of step. Right? You ever feel like Jonah sometimes? How about Mary? Mary was surrendered in her steps. Think about it. She's a teenager. Teenagers? She got pegged. She was probably somewhere between 13 to 17 years old. And her life was radically changed after that. And she submitted to the entire process. And remember, that included the cross. Remember, Mary was there when Jesus was crucified. And she knew about that. Why? Because when they came to the temple to de dedicate Jesus, Simeon said, this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel. And a, heart is, a sword is going to pierce even your own heart. And it did when she sat there and watched her son get crucified on the cross. And yet she remained surrendered through the whole process. Mary is one of the great, great heroes of faith. How about the woman at the well? Getting in step. Hey, go get your husband. Ah, I don't have a husband. Well, that's true. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're shacking up with right now isn't your husband either. Boom! Whoa! Busted! Like, how would you like God air your dirty laundry like that, right? Just but She had two choices at that point, right? Just bolt or... Acknowledge that I, I bet something's different about this guy. I better figure out what it is and what she do. She got in step. She's famous now. She's known as the woman at the well, somebody who responded in faith to Christ and wasn't lined up at all and got lined up. And such were some of us. Such were some of us. We got lined up. How about the rich young ruler? He refused to step. Right? Jesus said, hey, come walk with me. And he said, no. No, not, not going to do it. They don't think it's worth it. My money's worth more than the riches you promised. How about Peter? Always ahead, right? <laughs> We've just got through First Peter, if you're new or visiting, and, and what you find out later in life, Peter knew how to step with the Holy Spirit. But boy, when he was young, he was impetuous. He was always out in front, mouth first, right? Open foot, open mouth, insert foot kind of guy. And uh, he was always racing ahead of Jesus and telling Jesus what Jesus would think, like a lot of us. How about Stephen? Loyal in his steps. You know, think about Stephen had come to Christ. He uh, became one of the deacons very quickly. And it says he was filled with wisdom. And he went on to end up getting stoned. And it says that he stayed loyal even in the process of being stoned to the point where while he was being stoned, which means you take big rocks and you huck them at them. I don't know if you've ever had anybody huck rocks at you, but I did when I was a kid. And uh, it's not a pleasant experience even with little ones. 
Okay, so you can imagine what bigger ones feel like. But as he was being stoned, he looked up and he says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. Why? All other places in the New Testament, you find Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Why was he standing? Because he was applauding Stephen's entrance into heaven. Because he was loyal. Good job, son. Good job. How about Paul? Courageous in his steps. Right? There's few people that have the courage of Paul and have the ability to step with God the way Paul did or pay the price tag that he had to pay like Paul did. I'm going to ask the uh, guys, as you're considering those different steps and those different people and matching yourself with that and are we in step as you come into the fall, I'm going to ask the guys to begin to distribute communion, if you would. I want to use this last slide to think about the ultimate example of being in step with God. We don't often think of Jesus that way because we know He was God. But there was also the aspect that He was in step with His Father in heaven. He says this in John 14, I will not say much more to you, for the Prince of this world is coming. And He was talking about His impending death and the circumstances that were about to lead up to it. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded. One of the things that Jesus was modeling for us is what did it look like to stay in step with the Holy Spirit? What did it look like to be surrendered, submissive to the will of his Father? Even when things were not pleasant and even when what God asked to do was very difficult, Jesus modeled that for us. In other words, I love this about God because he doesn't ask anything from us. He hasn't first done himself. And so Jesus was modeling what that should look like. He was setting that emotion for us. You know, when it, when it comes to communion, I want you to have the picture of communion. Think of the disciples sitting at the Last Supper, right? Got that picture? Now, fast forward the video and go to the Sea of Galilee after Jesus has resurrected from the dead, after they catch all the fish, after they get on the beach, and there's this uh, barbecue going where Jesus is barbecuing some fish and says that he's making breakfast for them. When they were at the Last Supper, do you think they thought they had it figured out? They did, didn't they? Jesus is going to do the kingdom. Yeah, it's not looking really good. He's talking this weird stuff about death, but obviously he's going to usher the kingdom in. And how do we know that? Because they were arguing about who was going to be the what? Greatest. Okay, boys, get the chairs lined up because here it comes. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the boss because he loves me more than you. Right? And that's what they were arguing over. When they were sitting at the Sea of Galilee, can you imagine them looking back to the Last Supper And wishing they had listened a little better? Do you think they would see the Last Supper in a completely different perspective? You know, when the Last Supper, what did they tell Jesus? Oh, we'll all die for you. But what do we know? They didn't do the very good job of that, right? Peter blew it, and the rest of them were scattered and hiding like little gophers in their holes. Why? Because they weren't really listening. They were listening to what they wanted to get out of it, not what was really going to happen. 
And I want to suggest sometimes that's true for us. We listen to the Christian life for what we are going to get out of it, not for what's really going to happen. They weren't really lined up with his will. They weren't really in step with the spirit. They were in step with their spirit. And I'll bet you at that Sea of Galilee, when they looked back and they saw those fish cooking and they thought about the last meal that they had with Jesus, they probably looked back and said, man, I wish we had listened a little closer. Well, we've got a tremendous opportunity in front of us. We've got a gift that's given to us. It's called fall. Right? We don't know what the fall will look like. We don't know what's going to happen this fall. But we do know that we're entering into it and that we will at least make the beginning of it because we've hit Labor Day weekend. Wouldn't it be great to be a group of people who instead of telling God what the fall is going to look like and instead of looking at the fall for what we're going to get out of it, we just stop and say, hey, wait a minute, Lord. What's the fall look like to you? What are you planning this fall? And can I line up with you? Can I get resynced? Can I get back in step with you? If you've been in step with them, the prayer is, can I stay in step with you? If you haven't been, could I get back in step with you? Could I get back to the kingdom? Back to what you're about, not what I'm about or what I think needs to be done. But could we line back up with you? And there's an incredible picture there. Of course, we're familiar with it, right? It's the bread and the cup. Jesus said, you know what? It... It matters that you're in sync with me. Think about what it costs me to do for you what you could not do for yourselves. Why should you listen to me, says Jesus? He says, because of this. Think of what happened to my body. Think of the price tag that I covered. Going way out of my way before you ever asked. So that you could be in step with me. He said, eat this in memory of me. And then on a relational side, he holds up a cup. He says, you know, I'm never going to drink this again until I come back. But I'm going to, he said to the disciple, I'm going to drink this with you tonight. When you hold a cup of wine up, who do you drink it with? Your friends, your family, your loved ones, your relationships. It isn't just a head thing. It is a heart thing. I love you. I share a cup with you. Can we be in step together? Can we quit arguing and fighting and bickering and jostling? Can we be in what we call in communion together? When Jesus asked this morning, can we be in communion this fall? Northview Community Church, will you be in communion with me this fall for what I'm going to do for the kingdom? He says, if you are, drink this in memory of me. We're going to sing a song that sets the expression of everything we said this morning really well. Would you stand and let's worship together.